Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thank you for watching. We started going into the New Testament. Uh, this we started October 1st into the New Testament. We're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I love it. I'm so, I'm so excited about it because it's the Word of God about Jesus, and it speaks to our hearts. And so this morning, I'm going to focus on Luke chapter 4, and that's where we're going to be looking at today. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones or devices that you can open up to Luke chapter 4, I want you to go there now, and I believe that God is going to speak to us a profound word that He's wanting to, sh- to create a shift in our hearts and a shift in the church. I believe that there, there's an awakening coming to the church, and God is wanting to speak to us about what needs to happen as we move forward into what he's called us to do and to be as the church. I believe the world needs a church that is wide awake, a church that is ready to move, a church that says, I know my role and responsibility and not getting wrapped up in everything else around me, this opinion or that opinion. I'm ready to, to follow Jesus, and I'm ready to do whatever it takes to lay down my life, my, my status, whatever it might be, to build the kingdom of God. It's what we talked about last week, and I, or two weeks ago. I don't know when it was. We talked about something about building the kingdom or building our own house. And I believe that God is wanting to do something even now in his people. So if you're a follower of Jesus, get ready. God is wanting to speak directly to you about you. And he's going to be speaking directly to me about me about what God wants to do, not only in this church corporately, but also individually as we come together and say yes to the Lord Jesus. There's two questions I want you to write down this morning as we get into the Word. And the first one is this. Why do we go through trials and temptations? Why do we wrestle with things? Why are certain things thrown at us? Why, are there, why, are we, why do we have temptation at all? As when we come to Jesus, we, why isn't it that just everything becomes rainbows and butterflies? Why is there temptation that we have to go through sometimes? And the second thing is, the question is, how do we overcome those temptations and not only overcome them, but walk in victory? That's the second question I want you to write down. So why do we go through trial and temptation? Second question is, how do we overcome them and walk in victory? That's what God is going to be speaking to us today. Before we begin to read the Word of God, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you, God, for what you're doing here in Central Valley. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in Madeira. God, I thank you that you are speaking to your people, even now, that are watching online, wherever they might be. God, all over the U.S., God, you have a word for your people. And God, you're wanting to speak life into them right now. And I, I pray, ask, I ask Holy Spirit that you would, God, give the, the anointing to me to communicate your word to your people. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We open our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, say, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. See, Jesus was baptized by John in Luke chapter 3. We read about that. And the Holy, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove in the, the form of a, of a dove, and, and he's empowered for ministry. This is the birthplace of Jesus' ministry. 
Up to this point, we have no record of Jesus doing or performing any miraculous signs or wonders or, or doing anything like that up until this moment when he is filled with the Holy Spirit after his baptism. And Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Let me just make that very clear, right? Baptism is our way of saying that we have died and we are raised in Christ. It was an example that he set forth at an act of obedience. And it was also the moment that he would be stepping into the forefront as John the Baptist began to go into the background as Jesus began to launch his ministry here on the earth. And he was giving approval for John's ministry because the, the religious leaders of that day kept asking him and questioning him. And why are you doing these things? Why are you baptizing? Are you the Messiah? Are you not? Are you the prophet? Are you not? Why are you out here? What are you doing? And Jesus comes and legitimizes what he's doing, saying that he is indeed sent by God. And his ministry that he's doing is indeed by God in preparation for what I'm about to do. And he's baptized. In Luke chapter 3, as he comes out of the water... He begins to pray, and then the voice of God is heard, right? Or as, as he comes out of the water, he begins to pray. The spirit in bodily form comes like a dove and lands upon him, and the voice of God comes booming out of heaven, saying, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Isn't it interesting that God's voice comes after the act of Jesus' obedience and prayer? Isn't that interesting? That God does not speak as he's going into the water or even immediately after he comes out. But as he comes out and he prays and the spirit descends, then the voice of God is heard. And it's not spoken for Jesus' benefit. Jesus knows who he is, right? God speaks for the people around him and specifically for John. We hear about this in the Gospel of John. In in chapter 1, starting in verse 32... And this is John, the disciple, writing about John the Baptist. He says, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. This is John now saying, I was there. I I bring him out of the water, and I see the Spirit like a dove descending on him. And he says, I myself did not know him. He didn't even know who he was that it was about his cousin. He knew something was special, but he didn't know. Is this the Messiah or not until that moment? when he sees the Holy Spirit descend on him. He says, I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, saying, God the Father, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So the act of Jesus' obedience and prayer as the Spirit descends is not, was not for himself alone. It was for a testimony and a confirmation to John the Baptist that this is the one that he had been searching for, that he could point people to him and say. And in fact, we understand through John's gospel that because of that confirmation for John the Baptist, he was able to tell his disciples, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was able to point to Jesus and say, this is the one that we're looking for. Isn't that wonderful? Because, honestly, some of us as Pentecostals, spirit-filled people, think that the Holy Spirit fills us just for us. That he gives us the ability to pray in tongues or prophesy or lay hands on the sick, and we think, ooh, don't we, aren't we important Christians? And we forget that that testimony in us is for others. 
The testimony of, of the, the dove, the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus was, a, was, was to help John the Baptist point to him. The Spirit descending was a point of reference and confirmation to say this is the one we're looking for. Sometimes our, our act of obedience in our prayer isn't so that we can receive a word from God, but so that perhaps someone else could receive a word from God. Perhaps your obedience today and your prayer that you prayed this morning wasn't so that you could receive an answer from God, but perhaps somebody that you're praying for can hear the voice of God, or perhaps somebody that needs a touch from heaven will receive a touch from heaven. Your prayer matters. Your obedience matters. I'm preaching now. <laughs> we, need, we need a church. We need a church, and I'm looking, and there's nobody in here. It's just me and the camera. But I feel like I got to look at the chairs because I know where you, some of you sit, and I'm preaching to you. We, you and I, need to be a church that will rise up and pray and obey for the sake of others so that they can hear the voice of God and then they can get directions and have their lives radically transformed and changed. So often, when we, what do we pray for? God, help me. God, direct me. God, bail me out. God, and God's saying, I didn't empower you just for you. I empowered you with the Holy Spirit for others. And your obedience and your prayer is going to set someone else free because you've already found the goodness of God and you are walking in the goodness if you'll only just choose to walk in it. Now, Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit and he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. And let me stop there again because we see being filled with the Spirit isn't just so that we can speak in tongues and prophesy, heal the sick, but it's supposed to be, we're supposed to be led somewhere. The Holy Spirit fills Jesus to lead him somewhere. Obviously, fills him for the act and the purpose of his earthly ministry. But he leads him somewhere immediately. And some of us have been filled with the power and the Holy Spirit for decades, and we're stuck in the same place and haven't done anything with it. Can we speak in tongues? Sure. But we haven't done, what are we doing with these things? God didn't just, so that you could, he didn't fill you with the Holy Spirit so you could have speaking in tongues in your back pocket or, or prophesy when you feel like it. Like this, it's an interesting concept that some of us as believers think that, the, that our salvation is just for us alone. Like, he saved us for a purpose. He filled us for a reason to go somewhere with it, to be led somewhere with it. God is, is, is wanting to shake some of us out of our comfort here today, including myself, and saying, what did I fill you for? But if not, to do something with it. The Bible says that he was led in the wilderness, and for 40 days he was being tempted by the devil. Maybe some of you are saying, you mean to tell me that the Spirit of God led Jesus into temptation? No, he led him into the wilderness, and oftentimes... In the wilderness, which was a dry place, oftentimes in dry places, temptation happens. You and I know this very well. When we go to dry places, oftentimes we are more tempted in the dry places than we are in not. He led him into a dry place where temptation happens. But God isn't the one, obviously, who was tempting him. The, God, uh, the, the letter of James tells us, never say God has tempted you. God doesn't tempt you. It was Satan that was doing the tempting but the Spirit led him to a place where the temptation needed to happen. Why? Because it was, it was crucial how Jesus responded to this temptation because it would determine if he was ready for the next step into his ministry. It would determine if he was ready or not. 
How he responded to the temptation that was set before him would determine his next step in ministry. If Jesus had failed at these temptations, these three temptations that he went through, his ministry would have been null and void. So let's look at some of this. The first question I asked this morning is, why do we sometimes go through temptations? Why are we going through the temptations or the struggles or the trials that we're going through right now? Maybe, just maybe, perhaps, it's because you have a next level that God is wanting to take you to that's in front of you, and God is wanting to work something in you and out of you, but you need to go through it, and you need to overcome it to move forward. And the real challenge is how you deal with this temptation that's in front of you will determine if you're ready for the next step. So what are you being tempted with right now? Ask yourself, what are you giving into? What are you selling yourself short for? What are you cheapening in your life right now that is literally cutting yourself off at the knees, not allowing you to take the next step in what God is wanting to do in your life because the temptation that lies in front of you? Perhaps you have been led to that temptation to see how you're going to deal with it to determine if you're ready for the next step or not. Some of you have been asking God, God, give me a greater vision. God, give me a, a greater ministry. God, give me the ability to do X, Y, and Z. And yet uh, he says, okay, well, let's see if this thing has been worked out of you or not. I'm going to lead you to a dry place. The enemy is going to come in and he's going to attempt you. Are you going to fight that temptation or are you going to give into it again? If you give into it again, I'm not going to fulfill what you continue to ask me for, to fulfill. See, my concern is that we have so many Christians Filled with, the spirit, filled with the Spirit, but not going anywhere, continuing to give in to temptation after temptation because we refuse to obey the Spirit, we refuse to give some things up, and we refuse to go where He calls us to go. See, as Jesus went into the wilderness, He fasted 40 days. He gave up food for 40 days, and, and then He goes into a dry place. He had denied himself. He was listening to the Spirit. He was being led by the Spirit. He was being prepared for ministry, which was giving him the ability to overcome the temptations that were lying ahead of him. Sometimes when I talk about fasting, I say sometimes fasting can help us overcome other areas where we've been giving in because it teaches us discipline and the ability, the ability to tell our flesh no. And some of us continue to give in to fleshly desires and to gratify the, the flesh and to, to do all these other junk. And, and, and we, we can't seem to have the ability to say no to those things. And, and if we fast, we are teaching our bodies to say no in an area perhaps where we can have more control and it can bleed into. Oftentimes when we have no self-control, we're saying yes to everything. We're giving in to everything. And one little thing that you continue to give in to you continue to say yes to this one area of your life, and you say, no, but I would never do this. Well, pretty soon you're going to be doing the thing that you thought you would never do because you've never been able to tell yourself no in the area where you should have had control. So Jesus fasts 40 days, led by the Spirit. Now he's prepping himself for his ministry. And all I have to say is this, that if Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit to overcome temptation, to go into the, the dry places 
then how much more do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? How much more do we need to have intimacy with the Spirit of God? How much more do we need to be led by the Spirit of God every day, especially in the world that we're in, especially with the times that we're facing? Man, I think God loves us so much. He's given us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us, and how often do we just nonchalantly not even think about it and carry on with our day? Now that we're getting to the temptation portion in Luke chapter 4, let's, let's talk about those, the nature of these temptations for a moment. See, the book of James tells us that we can only be tempted by the things that we desire. Right? If, if you don't desire something, it's not a temptation for you. If you don't like chocolate and someone says, and you're trying to give up chocolate and says, hey, you want some chocolate? You're like, if you don't desire that, you're like, yeah, of course I can say no to those things. If you don't have a desire for something, you can't be tempted by it. And so the gospel, I mean, the, the author, the letter of James tells us that we cannot be tempted by something that we don't desire. So sometimes our desires, right, the desire isn't necessarily a bad thing, but often the way that we try to fulfill that desire can lead us into sin. And so from the, the words of James here, we know that Jesus could have only been tempted by things that he desired. So let's look at these temptations. The three temptations that Satan comes and tempts Jesus with. The first one is food. He tells Jesus, turn those rocks into bread and you can eat. Of course, that was a temptation for Jesus. He had been fasting for 40 days. He was physically hungry. He had a craving to satisfy his hunger, his fleshly hunger. We talk about, the, 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 the Bible tells us that there are three sins or three issues that befall all mankind or humanity. And it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Satan comes at Jesus with these three areas in his, in his life. The, the lust of the flesh. Does it mean that Jesus is lusting in this moment? No, Jesus never sinned. But, he, but if you want to translate it in another way, you can say the lust of the flesh can be a craving to satisfy natural desires or physical satisfaction or pleasure. And Jesus had a physical desire to satisfy his hunger. And so Satan tempted him with this craving for bread. Because we have to remember that Jesus was 100% human as well as being 100% God. And, and, and Jesus responds with the word of God and says, no man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. He's saying, look, I'm not going to give in to this lust of the flesh. And then Satan tempts him again by taking him to the highest point, the pinnacle of the temple, and tells him, throw yourself off and you'll be caught by angels. And this was speaking to the craving that Jesus had. If we talk about lust of the eyes, it's, a, it's this craving for what we, what we can see or what we envision happening, what we desire for our future what we desire for us to happen, what we desire our lives to be like. And, and Jesus, if he had thrown himself off the temple, what would have happened? He would have been surrounded by the religious leaders and the people of God in Jerusalem. And in that moment, as they saw angels stop him from crushing his foot against a rock, they would have said, surely this is the Messiah. And the nation and the le religious leaders and everyone would have turned to him as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. Jesus desired for the people of God, for Jerusalem, for all the Jewish people to recognize him as the Savior. He desired that, and the enemy came in to try to twist him, to give in 
to take a shortcut to get that. The last thing, he took him onto a high mountain and showed him all the nations of the world and said, you can have all of these if you bow down to me. He's speaking, if we're talking about lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, he's talking about pride of life. The pride of life is the craving for achievement or possessions. See, Jesus wanted the world to know him. Jesus has a heart for all nations, that they would know him, that they would find their salvation and their life in him because Jesus is the life and the light. John chapter 1, talked about it last week. So Jesus had a desire for all nations to know him, and he still has a desire for all nations to know him. But Satan said, I can give you the shortcut. See, this is what Satan always does wants to give us a shortcut to what God has actually given to us. Doing it, giving us saying, this is the right thing, but you can get it in the wrong way. See, these desires weren't bad. Eating food is not a bad desire. Wanting the people of God to recognize Jesus as the Savior, not a bad desire. Wanting the world to turn and know him and worship him, not a bad desire. But the way that the enemy wanted him to obtain these things to obtain these desires, fulfill these desires, was all wrong. And when we try to take matters into our own hands or do things our way, we oftentimes fall into sin. When we don't consult with God, we don't listen to the Holy Spirit's leading, and we go in the wrong direction. Oftentimes we are in the situations we're in because we didn't obey and listen to the Word of God or to the, the unctions of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We ignored Him and we wound up going in the wrong direction because we thought we could do it better. We could have it faster. We could go an in, in easier route. And we wound up messing up. See, when we act on our own desires to meet our own needs, we fail to recognize who God is. We fail to trust God in the process. And we fail to believe that God is truly good. And we, we do this all the time. And often what happens then is we just say the desire, we blame the desire and not our own lack of self-control. The church has done this for a long time. That's why there are people in the church who think sex is bad. And we tell young people, sex is bad, sex is, oh, it's so gross. But then you get married and just save it and you'll love it. Like, no, sex is not bad. Sex is a beautiful thing. As it has been designed and developed within the confines that God says, this is how it is designed to flourish, within um, the marriage union between a man and a woman. Sex outside of that brings destruction, brings death, brings disease, brings, brings turmoil, brings brokenness. Sex, the, the act of sex itself is not bad. When it's outside of what God says designed it to be, that's when we mess up. When we, when we decide to take the shortcut and not go through the process of to have something the way that God had designed it, that's when sin enters in and messes everything up. See, the devil's goal is to stop us from trusting God's process and get us to take shortcuts instead. See, the shortcut really says, when we take shortcuts, it really says to God, we don't trust you. We don't trust your process. But we know in John's gospel, as we've read, those who trust in the Lord Jesus shall be saved. So the enemy is thinking, if I can get you to not trust God, maybe I can get you to revoke your own salvation. We talked about this last time, that no one can take you from Jesus. No one can get you out of his hand unless you choose to jump out of it yourself. 
So he's thinking, if I, can, if I can erode your trust in God, I can hopefully get you out of his hands by making it possible for you to jump out yourself. The devil desires to get us to take shortcuts so that we will not trust God. He did it with Adam and Eve by telling them, if you'll eat the fruit, you'll be like God. Such a lie. Why is it a lie? It's a shortcut lie. Because we know that they were walking with God every day in the cool of the evening, walking with him, talking with him, learning from him, gaining from his wisdom, surrounded by God. Isn't it interesting that how we're created as humans, that whatever we surround ourselves with, we become like. And Adam and Eve were surrounded by God, walking with him. They were in the process of becoming more like God every day. And Satan said, you don't want to go through that process. Here's a shortcut. Eat the fruit. You can be like him. You, know, you can know what's good and evil. You don't have to walk with him and talk with him. You don't have to go through the process of learning whenever he wants to teach you something. or when he, when he, don't, You don't have to wait for him. You can have it right now. Just eat the fruit. That's what our desires do for us when we jump ahead of God thinking God doesn't want to give us good things because he's not good. No, he does. And he wants to give you the desires of your heart, but in his timing, through his process. Your desires aren't bad, but if you go around the way that you think is the best way to fulfill those desires and not how God says those desires should be filled, you're going to mess up. You're going to give in to temptation, and it's going to take you out. You're only tempted by what you desire. But Jesus didn't give in to the bait, praise God. Jesus didn't give in. Verse 14 says this. Jesus begins his ministry in verse 14 says, and he returned in the power of the Spirit. Jesus went into temptation filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit through it, and he came out filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God wants to do in your life. Fill you up. Then that you would be led by the Spirit, and as you go through the process of walking with the Spirit, you are empowered with the Spirit, filled with the power of the Spirit of God. How did Jesus do it? How did Jesus overcome these temptations? Maybe some of you are thinking, well, he, he was Jesus. So, of course, that, he, he, of course that's how he overcame, because he's Jesus. We can't, we, we, we can't do it. because no. Look, he had to overcome temptations just like we have to overcome temptations. He had to really fight through those temptations just like we have to. Because if they weren't tempting him, they weren't temptations at all. It was, it was a pointless exercise. He had to go through it. He had those desires. And he had to say no to them by the word of God in him, being led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, prayed up, fasting, denying himself, knowing what it means to tell himself no so he can say yes to the Lord. And as he walked through temptations, they were real temptations that he was able to overcome by the word of God in him. He overcame by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word. How many of you know it's, it's direly important that in this day and age we be filled with the spirit of God and filled with his word? That's why we're reading through the Bible this year. We want to know God's word. We want to be reading his word. We want it to be inside our hearts because there are temptations that are coming. And some of you are already giving in to temptations that are overrunning your life. 
And God is saying, I've given you the tools to overcome these temptations. Hold on to my word. Proclaim my word. Be filled with the Spirit of God and let it be led by the Spirit. But what's also interesting to note in Luke chapter 4 is that the reason the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus while he was baptized wasn't just so that he could overcome temptation. The Holy Spirit did not fill Jesus and empower Jesus and lead Jesus just so that he could overcome temptation. Obviously, that helped. It needed to happen. But it was not so that Jesus could overcome his own temptation alone. No. It was so that Jesus would be empowered to declare the good news of why he was here on the earth. What God had sent him to do. What God the Father had sent him as the Son to do. It was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Empowered with, with the Spirit of God so that he could proclaim the good news. He tells us this in verse 18. As he opens, he goes to the temple. As he comes out of the wilderness, enters into Galilee, he goes to the temple. He grabs the scroll of Isaiah. He opens it up. In verse 18, he begins to quote Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed. This is why the Spirit of God empowered him. To proclaim the good news. Can I tell you something? That's why the Holy Spirit has empowered you. Not so that you can just have victory over temptation, which he wants you to walk in victory, but because he wants you to proclaim the good news to the poor and to the cap- liberty to the captive, sight to the blind. He's empowered you. You have a purpose and a calling. God desires for you to do something with it. He's empowered you. He's filled you to lead you somewhere. Where are you going? Somebody told me, they listened to the podcast, and they said, man, you sound angry when you preach. And I'm not trying to sound angry. I'm honestly, I'm not, I'm not angry. If, I, if it sounds like I'm being angry or I'm mad, I'm not. <laughs> okay? I'm not. I'm just, I'm passionate about what God is wanting to do right now. I'm passionate about what God is wanting to do in your lives. And I know some of you are struggling. I know some of you are really wrestling. And it weighs on my heart. I know some of you are are going through a fight right now. And I want you to walk in victory. I want you to kick the devil in the teeth and tell him he can't have your marriage. He can't have your kids. He can't have your life. That addiction is not going to rule over you. You're going to walk in victory and freedom. I want that for you. I want you to know how to win. And it's being filled with the Spirit of God in your life. The Holy Spirit has been poured out of your life. He wants you to be filled. He wants you to be led. He wants you to be empowered. So that when temptation comes, you can tell it where to go. And then you can get back to what you're called to be doing. Proclaiming the good news of Jesus to your family members, to your kids, to your loved ones, to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to your classmates and your teachers. Whoever will listen, tell them about Jesus. The enemy wants to distract you. He wants to berate you. He wants to attack you. He wants to defeat you. But not today. Not today. Tell the devil, not today. You're going to walk in victory. You're going to walk in new life. You're going to walk in hope. You're going to walk in freedom by the power of Jesus living inside of you. Come on, let's say yes to him. No to the enemy. And let's stop going around in circles of temptation when Jesus has shown us how to break it. Man, he's empowered us. He has anointed us to proclaim the good news to the poor. 
Liberty to the captive, sight to the blind, liberty to the oppressed, man. I know some oppressed people, oppressed by sin, oppressed by drug addiction, oppressed by pornography, oppressed by everything under the sun. And I want to proclaim to them, proclaim to you and whoever is listening, there is liberty in the name of Jesus for you. There is hope and freedom in the name of Jesus. The good news, the good news. I remember when Char, Reverend Shar Blair was speaking, she said, this is the good news for everybody. The good news for the Republican and good news for the Democrat. Good news for the black, good news for the white, good news for the gay, good news for the straight. It's good news. It's good news for everybody. Good news that Jesus came and defeated death, hell, and the grave. He took our sin on the cross. He died and three days later rose again and ascended to the Father. And right now, even now, he's making intercession for you. There is hope right now for you. What I really need for us to do, this is what I believe that God's calling us to do. That God has given us everything that we need to walk in victory. Now he's saying, now you need to do it. Now is the time that you need to do it. Right now is the time you need to do it. And this is what I believe our response is as this church that we need to do. We need to devote ourselves to prayer, getting in his word, and being led by the Spirit. That's what we need to do. We see that in Acts chapter 2, they got together, excuse me, they got together, they devoted themselves to prayer and to his word, broke bread together, and the Holy Spirit descended on them. They prayed. They asked God to open heaven, and he did. I believe if we, want, if we want an open heaven over our lives, over our city, over our families, we need to pray like Jesus did. We need, to, we need to fast like Jesus fasted. That's why, as of today, I'm announcing that as a church, we're going to fast and pray for the next 21 days. For 21 days, through the rest of the month of October, today's the 10th, through the 31st, we're going to fast and we're going to pray. Whatever that looks like for you, maybe that's one meal, two meals, maybe that's all meals, maybe it's a variation of food, maybe it's social media technology, whatever it's going to be. We need to deny ourselves. Say, God, we are more hungry for you in these days than we are for gratifying our own fleshly desires, even if it's just for food. And we're going to pray. We pray every Sunday at 9 in the morning, 9 o'clock, 9.30. I don't know when it is. We'll put a note on there. We pray every Sunday. Then, 9.30, that's what it is. 9.30, we pray every Sunday here. But also, I'm going to open up the church Monday through Friday to pray. Probably in the morning, early mornings, but I'm going to invite everybody out. Whatever day that you can get here, even if it's all days, I want you to be here. We're going to pray together. We're going to believe that God's going to be working. God's going to be moving. God's going to be speaking as we seek his face. This is what we need to do as a church. We need a move of God. We need a breakthrough. And we're going to need to fight for it. It's not going to come just because we're like, oh, we need revival. Oh, well, oh, maybe one day. No, today. Now. Let's seek his face. Let's ask for it. Let's go to war for what God is wanting to do. 
in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our high schools, in all of our school campuses. What God is wanting to do, let's go after it. I believe that we're going to have to pray for it. We're going to have to seek God like we've not sought him before. That's what we're going to be doing. And if you want to join me, put in the comment section, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's go after it. The two questions I asked this morning, why do we go through some of the temptations and trials that we're going through? Maybe because you're going through something right now because God is ready to elevate you to the next level, ready to get you to the next step, but are you going to be willing are you willing to say no to something so that you can say yes to him? How do we begin to walk in victory? Overcome those temptations. Man, we got to be filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, by seeking Him in prayer, fasting, and reading the Word. Getting after it. I know people say, oh, that's all Christians talk about. That's all pastors say. Oh, you gotta, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Yeah, maybe, maybe we repeat ourselves a lot about that. But the question is, are you doing it? Because it actually works. Communing with God, speaking with him, hearing his word, reading his word, knowing his word, allowing it to read you and know you. God is wanting to work in us, and he wants to do it now. As a way of closing, I just want to invite anybody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to be very candid with you. Without Christ, there is no hope. He is the only way. He is the only door to salvation. John chapter 1 tells us he is the only revelation of God that we have. He is the full representation of God the Father. There is no other way. There is no other door. There is no other route. It is Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you have nothing. If you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, right now I want you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, come in and change my heart. I need you, Jesus. I need to be set free from some things, and I need to put my hope and trust in you. So Jesus, right now, would you save me? Help me to know you. Help me to trust you. Teach me to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, the first time in a long time, let us know. Go to our website, cbcmadera.com. Fill out one of the Connect cards and let us know, I prayed this prayer because you can't do this walk alone. We're going to need to help you, and we're wanting to help you. We're ready to walk with you. So for the rest of us this morning, I just want to pray that as you're filled with the Spirit of God, that you say yes to his leading, you obey him, you deny yourself, allow him to, be empower, and to empower you, to fulfill your purpose and proclaim the good news of who Jesus is. That's what he wants to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your joy. <laughs> we thank you for your joy. Even though, God, maybe I didn't preach with so much joy, I know that there is a passion and a purpose for this word for us today. And I pray, God, that you would empower your people to walk in it, God. You have called them. I know that, God, you've called them to be more than conquerors in you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you would do it, work in them. God, as I pray for them and believe that, God, you're working all things for their good, I pray, God, that they would run the race that you've set before them with power, with purpose, and with endurance. Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for this church. I thank you for our city.
God, let our hearts be turned for you, Jesus, and desire what you desire. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray, God, for healing in the mighty name of Jesus for those who are sick. God, we come against the spirit of infirmity. God, we come against sickness and disease in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we bind those things up now in the name of Jesus. We pray for health and healing to overflow this church right now. God, let it be done. God, release your healing power over your people. We love you, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends and help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting